sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Hello and welcome to a Tuesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network as well, I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here on this special Tuesday, as you will see in just a few moments. On this Tuesday on TMA, we will continue to dive through the madness that is this month of March. The round of 32 is now complete in both the men's and women's NCAA basketball tournament. A ton of madness and chaos across both of the big dances. We will break down all of that here on this Tuesday. We are in the home stretch officially of this NBA regular season. About 10 games left for a remainder of the teams around the league. We'll dive into the NBA, the NFL offseason, a couple of news and notes, everything you could hope for over these next two hours. We bring you up until 11 a.m. Eastern time live right here on SportsGrid. Let's start in the NBA. Again, for most teams around the league, they're at that double-digit mark, just 10 games remaining in the regular season for a chance to get into the postseason, whether it be a playoff spot officially or an opportunity in a conference play-in tournament or trying to focus on your seed line here as we end out March, getting ready for the postseason in April. Now, John Moran suspended officially by the league for eight games for conduct detrimental to the league's brand. That eight-game suspension ended with the opportunity for Morant to return last night against the Dallas Mavericks. He did not, but the Memphis Grizzlies remain hopeful that John Morant will be out there on Wednesday as he makes his return from suspension. It will be potentially against the Houston Rockets. So, as we focus on the Memphis Grizzlies here and their game last night against the Dallas Mavericks, they hosted the Mavs in Memphis as a four-point home favorite. No John Morant out there for the Grizz. No Luka Doncic for the Mavericks either. There was some hope that Luka could return as he continues to deal with a thigh injury. Instead, he misses his fifth straight game. I mentioned the Grizzlies booked as a four-point home favorite. The Mavericks without Luka in this five-game stretch have been booked as an underdog four of five times. Now, that four-point spread, incredibly impactful as Memphis wins by four, 112-108. The Dallas Mavericks only mustering up 12 points, just 12 points in total in the fourth quarter as Memphis scores 29 to win by four at home. Jaron Jackson Jr. stepping up for Memphis last night, 28 points to lead all of the Grizzlies scores. Kyrie Irving had 28 on the other side for the Dallas Mavericks. There was a jersey exchange of sorts with the Grizz Dylan Brooks after the game. Kyrie gave his jersey to Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks did not get Kyrie Irving's jersey in return. So here's where things stand in the NBA's Western Conference standings. Again, 
Just about 10 games left here to figure out your postseason positioning. The Dallas Mavericks, based on the loss last night in a Golden State win, yes, a Golden State win on the road, move in to that seventh spot as the Warriors vault out of the play-in tournament. Why that is so important, of course, if you are one of the six top seeds in either of the two conference standings, you you qualify automatically for the postseason, seven through 10, in those play-in tournament positions. The Memphis Grizzlies... Now just a few games back of the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets continue to pace the entire conference atop the Western Conference standings. Elsewhere in the NBA last night, not far away from us, inside Madison Square Garden, a place our good friend Kevin Walsh was last night to take in the Knicks and the T-Wolves. New York entered on a three-game win streak. Minnesota entered on a three-game losing skid, a game important for both sides in terms of that playoff positioning. Minnesota goes on the road to MSG picks up a victory 141-34 last night booked as an underdog in Madison Square Garden the spread closing at nine points in favor of the Knickerbockers no Anthony Edwards out there for Minnesota Julius Randle was going nuclear as things happened through the first three quarters had more than 50 points in those first three as we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here the opening hour of the morning after live right here on this Tuesday Sirius XM Channel 159 all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well I am Ben Stevens Julius Randle had a points prop last night of 25 in a hook he cleared that in a big way 57 points for New York but again albeit in a losing effort against the T-Wolves as Minnesota scores 140 on the road inside the Mecca, Madison Square Garden went outright as a nine-point underdog. Nine-point underdog. Philadelphia was looking for their ninth consecutive victory against the Chicago Bulls yesterday. They were booked as an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite, and that eight-game win streak for Philadelphia comes to a close. In overtime, Chicago goes on the road to the city of brotherly love and wins 109-105. DeMar DeRozan, 25 points. Zach Levine, 26 points as well. Joel Embiid continues his MVP pace. 37 points, 16 boards against Chicago last night. But James Harden did have 12 dimes, but only 5 points in 47 minutes. Just 2 of 14 from the floor, 0 of 6 from deep. So here's where things stand for Joel Embiid. Yes, the eight-game win streak for Philly comes to a close, but in terms of the NBA MVP odds, Joel Embiid remains the odds-on favorite. Minus 190 in front of Nikola Jokic as the Joker looks for his third consecutive MVP award in the NBA. Nikola Jokic is plus 300. JoJo has really seen his price grow stronger and stronger now with a minus in front of that number. Plenty more from around the association sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com you're back live right here on this special tuesday morning Live on the morning after on SportsGrid because I am Ben Stevens sitting directly to the right of me. That is Kevin Walsh. We are live in studio, studio, excuse me, in our Midtown Manhattan studios. Kevin, always great to be next to one another on this Tuesday morning on the morning after. Oh, thanks for letting me stay. Usually run in here, kick me out. You're like, man, TMA takeover. What are you doing in my city? Which I, I hate to say that's 
I'm ugly out of you, but we're excited to be here now. Well, a big day for New York City, as we'll mm. get to yeah. in just a little bit. Rick Pitino has made his return to the Big East. We'll touch on that in just a moment. By the way, let me just say, that oh, Navy yeah. jacket oh, on you, oh. incredibly handsome, really Thank highlights you. the best of all that your wardrobe is. Oh, that's very kind of you. I mean, yeah. we got, you know, a little little, little brown underneath there. Yeah. At some point, I might bust out a turtleneck here to really pull the whole deal together. I mean, don't we'll you do see. that to me. We'll because you are the originator of many things here at Sports Grid. The Spiz, Grizz, and... Turtleneck Tuesday. Yeah. Well, at least we're going to go around the association on this Tuesday live on the morning after. So, Kev, you were in attendance mm-hmm. at Madison Square Garden last night for the T-Wolves and the Knicks. At this portion of the NBA calendar, 10 games or so remaining mm-hmm. around the entire league, were focused on postseason positioning. Mm-hmm. And the Sixers entered last night, tied for the second-best mark in the Eastern Conference. Riding an eight-game win streak, it seemed as an eight-and-a-half-point home favorite last night against the Chicago Bulls, mm-hmm. a team Joel Embiid had never lost to in his NBA career. They were primed to make it nine straight, maybe even solidify their hold on that two-spot in the Eastern Conference. It didn't happen. Philadelphia has that eight-game win streak snapped. They lose in overtime to Chicago. Any big takeaway for you, Kevin Walsh, from last night's performance in Philly? Yeah, the fact that Joel Embiid, despite the loss, kept at his minus 190 price to win the MVP. I don't know if that sounds silly to think that a game where he scored 37 points with 16 rebounds, I thought his odds would drop back a bit. But I don't trust the notion that Joel Embiid is actually going to win this MVP. Mm. And I do think that's because of the uh, game that still remains in Denver. I think that game is going to matter a lot. And should it matter that much of an 82-game sample size, especially when Embiid already has a head-to-head victory over Nikola Jokic on the season, if that's how we're going to be making the decision? Uh, Probably not. It's just one of those things now where on a daily basis, I'm going to check that MVP market and assume that all of a sudden Nikola Jokic will be back to minus 350 because some straw poll will come out or some new statistic that says he's the best player in the history of basketball. Despite the loss, snapping that eight-game streak, JoJo did have 37 points in 16 boards. You saw the movement there from his initial price yeah. preseason, 6-1, to one, the longest it was midway through November, 20-1, to one, now minus 190, even last week at this time, Kev, as the distinction between the Joker and JoJo started to grow shorter, it was still Nikola Jokic with an odds-on minus money price. Now Joel Embiid has overtaken in that fashion. Where do you think this market will continue to move? And I'm glad you mentioned next Monday because six days away, it's the matchup between the Sixers and the Nuggets, JoJo and the Joker in Denver. So what I'm struggling with a little bit here is how much Embiid's run is about what he's doing. The Sixers have been winning at a very, very high level now for a long time. Uh, They have a better record than the Denver Nuggets. And Embiid's averaging almost 37 points per game in the Mm -hmm. month of March. But I think there are certainly people who believe that this is also because Jokic isn't going to win three in a row. Mm-hmm. And at some point, that's going to catch up. Well, if that's the case, if Embiid falls back, misses a game here or there, Sixers lose a couple of games, then we got to talk more about Giannis. Mm-hmm. And we got to talk more about a plus 440 number on a team that right now would be favored to finish with the best record in the NBA. Yep. Again, he would not be, I don't know if unanimously voted the best player in the sport, but would overwhelmingly win any vote of who actually holds that title. So Giannis, to me, is still very much in this race. And again, if there are voters that have eliminated Jokic because he's already won two in a row, then, yeah, this is a two-man race, but it's between Embiid and Giannis then. 
The Bucs, the only team to win at least 50 games this year. 51, in fact. The Celtics have an opportunity to do that tonight on the road in Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Quickly here, Kev. The eight-game win streak for Philadelphia. They're now three games back of Milwaukee for the top spot in the East, a half game behind the Celtics for that second spot in the Eastern Conference standings. Do you think Philadelphia is on the same tier for the entirety of this postseason with Milwaukee and Boston? Man, it's, it's such a good question because everything you see this regular season – how would you say no, right? Record-wise, they're there. Top-end talent, they're there. Depth, they're, they're right there as well. It's that they have two guys that are incredibly important to what they do. It's James Harden, their second-best player, and Doc Rivers, their head coach, that when we get here, we don't trust, right? I mean, you could tell Celtics fans right now, hey, are you more upset that you'll have to play Philly in round two or the fact that you would lose home-court advantage in a series against the Bucs? I don't think, quite frankly, they would have an issue playing the Sixers in round one and round two with the way that they seem to own that team. I mean, that, that's just the truth of it there. So from I, – I, I don't want to cop out and say I don't know, but I know that for a long time now I've thought there has been value on the Sixers' prices, and I've still not bet the 76ers in any of these markets – because I don't trust them enough. Because value's great, right. and then you end up with a ticket on Purdue to win a national championship. <laughs> it's a very good point, and I do appreciate what you're saying, because you can recognize, based on what you are seeing and what the odds should be telling you, this team has value. Philadelphia, for instance, entering yesterday's game against the Bulls was 6-1 to one to win the Eastern Conference. Milwaukee, the favorite, plus 120. Boston behind, plus 160. A drop-off mm. to the Sixers at plus 600. The odds saying, hey, there is a clear tier of one and two versus three. Philly's price, as you saw just moments ago, a little bit shorter on this Tuesday morning, plus 480. The Celtics, the second best record in the Eastern Conference, the second best price to win an Eastern Conference crown. Mm -hmm. Kev, they have split their 10 games here in March. Five and five. Tonight on the road against the Sacramento Kings, a team that sits in third still in the Western Conference, a Boston, a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Sacktown. What do you want to see out of tonight's game for both the Celtics entering the postseason and the Kings? So for the Kings, I don't think it matters all too much, right? They could certainly catch Memphis to get up to two. The West is such a mess. How much will that matter? It's And also... On the second leg of a back-to-back, -back, Sacramento losing this game isn't going to be some indictment on what they've done. Similarly, for Boston, winning this game is not going to be some, whew, all right, uh, we don't have any reason to be concerned here. Do you know that if you bet an updated win total on the Boston Celtics at the All-Star game, you've already cashed the under? Like, that's how, relative to expectations, yeah. that's how bad the Celtics have been here in the second half of this season. They should bounce back tonight, though, with the rest advantage and coming off of a loss. We've seen Jason Tatum have some really big performances this year, yeah. averaging 30 points per game in that spot, a points prop tonight of 29.5. Considering his last game out, I'm sure he'll bear a lot of responsibility. When you're the best player on a team and you go 4 of 12 with 15 points and a one-point loss, yeah. you're, you should own that responsibility Tatum, with a total tonight of 238.5, should have a really big game against Sacramento. The Kings were a 6.5-point favorite last night on the road in Salt Lake. They lose that basketball game yeah. outright by 8. Second leg of a back-to-back, -back, but not in the same building for the Sacramento Kings. Because of that Utah victory at home, the Jazz now own the 10th spot in the Western yeah. Conference, a half game in front of the L.A. Lakers. In the 9th spot, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Clippers are in that 5 spot. Kev, there is a 3-game distinction – 
between the Clippers at the five spot, three and a half games to be in fact, between the Clippers in the five spot and the Pelicans in the 12 spot, again, a very jumbled Western Conference. L.A. at home tonight taking on Oklahoma City. The Thunder have won seven of their last nine. The Clippers have won four, five of their last six as well. What is the expectation for, for this evening in L.A.? Well, it's one of those spots where betting against Oklahoma City has just been a disaster for two years now. Yeah. Last year, they covered 65% of their games as a road underdog, and this season it's up to 69% of those games. It doesn't mean the Clippers can't win, but in terms of laying a number, it's just been a very foolish exercise here. The Thunder, to me are the single most interesting team, though, in this entire race. Mm -hmm. Because I know it'll sound like a joke, but it's really not. At a moment's notice, they might tell SGA, hey, listen, brother, we booked you vacation. Enjoy. Uh, <laughs> you're not playing the remainder of this schedule because we've got some losing to do. Yeah. And obviously that would be a gift for the Lakers and the Pelicans and, and the teams that are chasing here. The fact that the Thunder and the Jazz still right now sit in the playing position is incredible. First of two for OKC against the Clippers in LA. Then they will take on the Lakers. As well. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com back live right here in studio together on a special tuesday morning on the morning after live on sports grid he is kevin walsh i am ben stevens you've heard this many a time okay dubs the inventor, the creator of many things here at the Spiz Grizz Network, including that jovial nickname for this overall company. He invented Turtleneck Tuesday, yet has failed to wear a turtleneck, but now a suit jacket. And the ideator of a place that we love to dive into, especially in March for college basketball. That is known as The Zone. Now, I am excited for this conversation because Kevin Walsh, a proud alum of Iona University. When he was there, it was Iona College, now Iona University. And the head basketball coach for the Iona Gales the last three years, a man by the name of Rick Pitino, one of the greatest head coaches in the history of modern college basketball, is now heading back to the Big East. Yesterday, officially, Rick Pitino named the new head coach of St. John's University. Now, Kevin Walsh, not just a proud alum of Iona, also a native of Queens, New York. So, Kevin Walsh, Rick Pitino, back in Queens at the helm of St. John's, trying to return the luster of a once great basketball program. Three years at Iona, a 64-22 and record, a 74.4% win percentage. They made the NCAA tournament two of the three seasons with Rick at the helm in New Rochelle, including... This past year, though, of course, bounced in the round of 64 by UConn. They were booked as a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. So, Kevin, let's get two perspectives here. First, let's start with your alma mater. Alma mater, excuse me. Rick Pitino yeah. leaving Iona. Where do you think he brought the program in his three seasons at the helm? He kept the program afloat, if not underachieved a bit. And I know that people are going to think, oh, sour grapes. Let's just go over some facts, right? The year before Rick got there was a COVID season. Nobody even won the MAC tournament. And Tim Kloos had to step away for health reasons. Trey Arnold stepped in for the team. So if we can just remove that year entirely. Mm -hmm. The four years before that, Iona won the MAC championship. Every single one of them. The two years before that, they lost in the MAC championship game. And then the year before that, 
We're in the tournament. Oh, and then in the, the year before that, we're, we're also in the tournament. So Iona making the tournament is not new. Rick in three seasons did that twice. He fell short, obviously, in that middle season. The win percentage for Rick over three years was pretty high. Yeah. For Tim Clouse over nine seasons, 65%. Again, a, a bigger sample size, right. more room to mess things up. That's pretty impressive. Here's the other thing that most people, and again, I get it, not everybody knows Iona history, isn't aware of. Do you know where Tim Clouse was probably headed before the health issues, unfortunately, saw him step away from the college game? St. John's. Because it made sense. Again, I'm not sat here like Iona and St. John's are the same team. One's in the Big East and one's in the MAC. But the thing I have a problem with is everybody acting like Rick Pitino's biggest accomplishment maybe in his coaching career is getting Iona College to a pair of NCAA tournament appearances. Yeah. That's the standard at Iona. I know that people will think that's silly, but that's really what it is. The Gales are better than the rest of the MAC. Rick Pitino this season laid 15 points in nearly every single MAC game. And that's exactly what happened in those MAC tournament games. Yep. And some of those were close. Ultimately, they pulled away in a couple of them exactly like he was supposed to. And they got a very unfavorable draw having to play UConn at a four seed, who was significantly better than that. And right. Rick talked about that. And that's all fair. I'm not here to tell you that Rick Pitino isn't a Hall of Fame coach. No, that's obvious. But as I keep having to hear, Pitino, the program builder, look at what he did at Iona. Well, Ben, you you tell me. What, what did he do at Iona that wasn't obviously expected of him? So those are very fair comparisons. Iona College was in a really good place with Tim Kloos and is still in a good place because of Rick Pitino, 74.4%. Again, that win percentage living up to the standard that is making an NCAA tournament. I don't think he was a detriment by any means to Iona. I think it's more about... Rick Pitino, as he stands in the pantheon of college basketball, as an overall incredibly successful head coach, 0.740, his win percentage in the entirety of his career. The Red Storm will be the sixth basketball program mm. he has been at the helm of. I think it's what Rick Pitino can do for a program overall. So, Kev, you are a native of the New York City area. You are not far away from Queens, where your childhood home is. What do you think Rick Pitino brings to St. John's? I think he brings a lot of name value but I'm not so positive he's going to bring a lot of success again I, I don't this is what I think people are missing Iona went to the tournament four years in a row yep. before Rick Pitino got there over the last eight seasons St. John's has had the, a winning record in Big East play once I know people will be flabbergasted at the notion that taking over the St. John's job is more difficult but it is more difficult. Mm -hmm. And you can continue to sell people on, oh, man, but he's got New York as his background. Hey, listen, I live here. You know how well that's been working out for the Knicks? Not well at all. The idea that New York, hey, Ben, you live here now. How how popular are college sports in New York? What are our big teams? Your, your boys up north is the closest that we get with Syracuse basketball, right. which, by the way, if you know, that doesn't really count because upstate New York is essentially another country, much less another within the state, okay? Yeah. My, my point is, could Rick have success at St. John's? Sure. But I heard somebody say the second Patino shows up, they're a top 15 team in college basketball. Ooh. And those people don't know 
anything about what they're talking about. Rick Pitino is an incredibly successful head coach at winning basketball games. There are the things that Rick Pitino has done outside of the basketball floor, including being a part of the FBI investigation into improper benefits. It's why he was fired by Louisville back a few years ago for cause. But Rick Pitino has reestablished his persona and what he brings to a basketball program. He does win. I think St. John's will win. They are trying to get back to the tournament, something they have failed to do since the 2019 Big Dance. They have not won an NCAA tournament game since the year 2000. Big news elsewhere in the Big East yesterday as well, Kevin, as Ed Cooley, the native of Providence, Rhode Island, who had completely rebolstered that entire Providence program, is now leaving the Friars and is becoming the head coach at Georgetown. So Ed Cooley yesterday, leaving Providence, officially hired as the head coach of the Georgetown Hoyas. Kev, a big day in the Big East in terms of movement. What was your reaction to the news that Ed Cooley leaving Providence, going to Georgetown? This is where we now bring this full circle. And again, I, Ed Cooley obviously is, is very well known in his own right, and I hate to make everything about him about Rick, but again, to put this into perspective for people, I had a conversation with someone not all that long ago who mentioned that if St. John's is top four in the Big East. Well, they'll obviously make the NCAA tournament. Well, this year, the top four in the Big East were Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, and UConn. Mm -hmm. Tough. Then Providence, who he just left. Then Villanova. Yeah. Oh, now Georgetown's going to be better, and you don't just get to walk through them. So, again, my, my point is, as the Big East is raising its level, yeah. and that includes Patino coming, but why is it that Patino's going to all of a sudden have the advantage over everybody else here. Again, a lot of these Big East teams have been looking forward to going out and laying 16 to Georgetown, sometimes at Georgetown Correct. on a regular basis. So as the Big East gets better, which is great for the Big East, it's, it's great for East Coast basketball, the job becomes more difficult for all of the coaches in this right. conference. The Hoyas have only won two Big East games in the past two seasons, both of them coming this year. Ed Cooley won at Providence, 12 years at Providence. His only losing season was his first year in Friartown. They made the NCAA tournament seven different times, including this season, only three NCAA tournament wins. He is trying to reestablish the overall brand identity of a basketball powerhouse. Mm -hmm. That would be Georgetown Hoyas basketball. All right, Kev, that is the future of college hoops. Now we go to the present, the Sweet 16, just two days away. Where have the odds shifted for a national championship? We find out right now in Market Movers. All right, Kev, not a ton of time here, so let's dive through this board quickly. February 27th is the date on your left. It was when postseason play officially began in college basketball, the first day of the A-Sun Conference Tournament, which meant we had the mid-majors into the action during conference championship weeks. Now we stand currently where the market is for that national championship. Houston, the second best price behind Alabama, the Crimson Tide, the favorite. As you will see here, Houston did get shorter, but Houston was at a point longer after the round of 64 tough battle against Northern Kentucky. Kev, my overall point being this, when you look at all these prices for UConn, Texas, Gonzaga, Creighton, Michigan State, obviously being one of the 16 remaining teams, your odds to win the entire thing are going to look a little bit better. 
Houston entering the tournament was the pre-tournament favorite, five to one. Mm-hmm. Alabama was three dollars behind, plus eight hundred. There was concern around the Cougs because of the injuries that we saw on display against Northern Kentucky. We talked about value in the Eastern Conference. Is there value on Houston? I, I think you could make the argument, I guess, in that now they are no longer the favorite. Where Bama's you know jump comes from is obviously they got help at the bottom that Houston did not. Houston, if they beat Miami, plays either the two Texas or the three Xavier. Alabama, if they beat San Diego State, play either the six Creighton or a 15 seed in Princeton. Mm-hmm. And again, obviously, there's some assumption there that they're going to get past those teams that they're playing right now, but both are favored to. That's the difference right there is just the gap in path. Now, Bama's looks easier. Alabama and Houston, like you both mentioned, a minus money favorite to win their individual region and represent that portion of the bracket in the Final Four. Of course, the Final Four, as it bears repeating, takes place in Houston, Texas. We'll have big picture conversations. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. In this month of March, basketball is front and center, both the NCAA tournament and, of course, as we get ready for the playoffs to begin next month around the association. So why not compare the two? The NBA in college hoops, the NCAA men's basketball tournament, and that stretch run in the NBA. We continue to do that live right here on SportsGrid on this Tuesday morning on the morning after. I am Ben Stevens. Here in studio together, live and in person, he is Kevin Walsh. So, Kev, we're going to compare a couple of the prices that we see for the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament with some of the prices that we see in the NBA. We start with the long shots, with the Cinderella stories, teams that are still available in the Sweet 16 that have a seed line seven or lower. Michigan State, that seven seed in the East region. Arkansas is the eight. They hail in the Midwest portion of the bracket, or excuse me, in the West portion of the bracket. Florida Atlantic, a nine seed, still playing in the East. Princeton, of course, the Cinderella from New Jersey, that 15 seed. There you see their prices to win a national championship. Now, the lowest seed to ever win an NBA title was the six-seeded Houston Rockets back in 1995. Shout out to our stat man, Joe Frizo, for all of this knowledge. The New York Knicks in 1999 as an eight-seed, the only ever team to make the NBA championship series with a seed line at seven or eight. Of course, eight teams after the play-in tournament in each conference make the NBA playoffs. So what is more likely, an NBA team, seven or lower, or a college basketball team, seven or lower, to win the ultimate prize, a championship. Yeah, it's the NBA is not close, and it's because of the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm. That's the reality of it. If the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis enter the playoffs, more people than not would pick the Lakers at the eighth seed to beat the Denver Nuggets in the opening round. If the Lakers were the seventh seed and played the Memphis Grizzlies, more people than not would pick the Lakers to win that opening round matchup as well. And hey, look, maybe there's a slim chance Golden State bounces back to the seven. And now Golden State has been preposterous all season long. I mean, they beat the Rockets last night and it was cause for celebration in the Bay. But if Golden State saw Sacramento or Memphis in their opening round, people would also be picking Golden State. So again, you could remove even opinion from this, right? Just where those odds would line up, those Nuggets-Lakers series, those Warriors-King series lines 
would be sh much, I think, far shorter than what is right now, you know, 40 to 1 tickets on the Arkansas Razorbacks to go on a deep, deep run. Entering yesterday, Golden State was in that seven spot because of the win on the road in Houston, Dallas losing on the road in Memphis, the Mavericks yeah. now in that seven spot. But Golden State, who is just in the sixth spot in the Western Conference, their price, Kev, to win the Western Conference crown is 5 to 1. It's the fourth best number, just over $2 behind the Phoenix yeah. Suns, who are back as the favorites in the West. The Lakers are 18 to 1 right now, with the seventh mm -hmm. best price to win the Western Conference. The teams that emerge out of the plan will have seven and eight next to their name, respectively, once we get to the NBA playoffs. You mentioned the Warriors could be there. The Mavericks could be there. The Lakers assuredly have to come out of the play-in tournament to earn a postseason spot, it would seem at this point, although the Western Conference mm. is quite jumbled. If the Lakers were to take on the Nuggets in the 1-8 matchup in the West, or the Lakers were to take on the Kings or the Grizzlies in that 2-7 matchup in the West, who is favored to win that series from the odds perspective? The, 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 the Nuggets would be favored if John Moran is around. The Grizzlies would be favored. The Sacramento line would be very interesting because of the way the bets would likely pour in. It's why Sacramento still sits at 25-1 to 1 to win the Western Conference despite obviously going to land inside the top three seeds in the West. They would be favored with home court advantage. And you would hear, I think, from some sides of the coin, oh my goodness, it's LeBron, oh my goodness, it's AD. But yeah. there would also still be plenty of people up, oh, come on, the Lakers stink, they're under 500, or however uh, right. their record would go. However, if the Lakers took an opening game against any of those teams, obviously meaning they win a road game, they've become favorites in the series, I do yeah. believe that. I cannot wait to see what that line would be. I don't think either the Grizzlies or the Nuggets are much greater, if at all greater, than a minus 150 price series outright against a healthy LeBron James, Anthony yeah. Davis, and the Lakers. It would be very interesting from that odds perspective to further the conversation we are having there. All right, now to geography. We're going to play a little map maker here as we try to figure out some future prices. There are two teams out of the 16 still remaining in the NCAA men's basketball tournament that hail from the state of Texas. Two teams that rank inside the top seven best prices to win a national championship, including the Cougars of Houston at four to one and the Texas Longhorns at 10 to one both in the Midwest region of the NCAA tournament the Dallas Mavericks as we showed 33 to one there are a ton of teams from California in consideration for the NBA championship but really just UCLA remaining from the Golden State in terms of winning a national championship the Bruins a plus 850 price so Kev which state, as we go to our geograph uh, geography yeah. perspective here, which state is more likely to win two championships, Texas or California? So if this was one, I would sit here and debate. The fact that it's two makes this easy, and it's California because the Dallas Mavericks are dead to rights. Mm. I mean, they, they absolutely are. See, the thing with the Mavericks is they now sit there with a banged-up 1-2. I still cannot believe they are booked in front of the Lakers right now in title futures. As they sit there with their banged-up 1-2, Lucas missed five games in a row. Kyrie finished up last night with a precautionary boot on his foot. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. Is you See, when we talk about the Lakers, and again, remove me from this because I know people, ah, him and LeBron, you go, when LeBron gets back, this gets interesting, right? Mm -hmm. I can't even... When, well, when Luke and Kyrie are out there, they give up 120 points per game. Yes. They, they're, they're dead to rights. They are... Like, the Mavericks, I know the opportunity that a lot of people are going to be waiting out there for. And the dream scenario would be Sacramento-Dallas in round one and getting a plus price on Sacramento in the series. And it would feel ridiculous. And after the first two games, when the Kings are averaging 132 points per game over those first two games with a 2-0 series lead, you would sit there and go, 
oh, why did we think this would be any different? It is incredible to see the market movement on the Mavericks once we saw Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving on the floor at the same time. You would only anticipate their number to stay where it was or maybe grow shorter. And I understand after the Kyrie deal, Kevin Durant was traded to the Phoenix Suns as well. But when Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks prior to Super Bowl Sunday, their price was plus 5 50. It is now 12 to 1. Meanwhile, UCLA, as we go back to the California nature of trying to win two championships, of course, with the Warriors, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Kings, you have a crop of four in a potential to win a Western Conference championship and thus represent that side of the league in an NBA Finals. The Bruins of UCLA, a plus 850 price, the third best number right now to win a national championship on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Kevin, the script is out in the National Football League, as we know, maybe in the NBA as well. Let's predict the script for our exact matchups in these two basketball leagues championships. The Bucks and the Suns. The Bucks right now, the favorites to win the East. Again, Phoenix, a couple of cents ahead of the Nuggets to win the Western Conference. The shortest number for the NCAA men's basketball tournament is Houston against Alabama, the two best prices for the Cougs and the Tide to win a national championship. So, Kev, out of those two, what do you think is more likely? Milwaukee versus Phoenix, Houston versus Alabama. I think it's Houston-Alabama by a by a good bit, quite honestly. I'm, I'm surprised to see that that gap sit there in the exact matchups because they're both minus prices to make the Final Four, which would then obviously put them just one game away from meeting in that championship game. Yeah. Look, Milwaukee's deservedly now the favorite in the East. Phoenix sits there because we don't believe in the Denver Nuggets. But this is, again, kind of one of those eye on the beholder stats. Mm -hmm. The Suns are 3-0 and with Kevin Durant. And some, focus, some will focus on the O, some will focus on the three. The fact that he's played three games and they're the favorites in the West, yes, is an indictment on the West, but it's also ridiculous. And I just don't know how you how you can fully trust that there. And it's why things like, and not to pull everything back to this, but it's why things like when LeBron gets back, the Lakers can be legit, doesn't sound as crazy when you remember that the literal favorites in the conference have played three games with their basketball team. Absolutely so. And Kev, you've made the point, those three games, albeit impressive to see how efficient Kevin Durant was, their toughest test was on the road against a Mavericks team that can't stop a nosebleed. Yeah. And yes, Kevin Durant scored 37, but Devin Booker in the three games with KD, 35 or more, just to say they haven't logged a ton of time together and against mm. the competition they have is not going to be the likes of the Warriors or the Clippers or even the Lakers once they get to the postseason. No, they, they again, the Hornets and the Bulls and the Mavericks were your three games right. that you dust the Hornets, you dust the Bulls. And again, they're NBA teams any given night, but okay. And then they were in an absolute dogfight against what was the most difficult test in the Dallas Mavericks. Mm. But as you can tell, my opinion of Dallas is quite low. I'm not saying they needed to go out there and play every single game against either Milwaukee or Boston, yeah. but it would have been nice to see them play the Clippers or even at Golden State, which was going to be on the schedule. It would have been nice to see any of you know, those, those games check in for this basketball team, and we just haven't seen them.
I cannot wait for this next conversation. Focusing on two teams trying to get to the mountaintop for the first time in their respective sports. The Denver Nuggets have the second best price to win the Western Conference at this moment, plus 750 to win an NBA championship. The Gonzaga Bulldogs, a tough matchup in Sweet 16 in the West region against UCLA. The Zags actually booked as a slight underdog. Now, since 2003-2004 for the Denver Nuggets, they've made the playoffs 14 times. Two of those years, they have made it to the Western Conference Finals. They have never won the West. Mark Few became the head coach at Gonzaga in the 1999-2000 college basketball season. 24 opportunities to make the NCAA tournament. The Zags have made it every single year, including eight straight appearances in a Sweet 16. They have made the national championship game two of the last six seasons, yet... They have not gotten to the mountaintop in college basketball as a national champion. So, Kevin, which team is more likely to win a title this year? The Denver Nuggets in the NBA or the Gonzaga Bulldogs in the big dance? Not many times have you given me one of these, and I was like, I wish I could have a little stopwatch and pause time, and and I need a little more time to think here, (laughs) right? Because You want me to fill space? No, it's it's fine. I've I've decided on my answer, and it it is the Denver Nuggets. And Mm. I know I'm just ultimately going with the odds here. Here's the thing for Gonzaga, despite now being in the Sweet 16 again, as you've mentioned, and it's not meant to be slander. This is the worst Gonzaga team in, what, five, six years? By far. And, hey, they're still in the Sweet 16, so shout-out to Mark Few. Correct. But I'm supposed to believe that the worst team during this run is the team to finally break through. That's a really, really hard sell. Mm -hmm. And for Denver, they are the number one seed in the Western Conference. They are 30-6 and in Denver. Mm -hmm. They are not required to win a single road game until potentially the NBA Finals. And at the end of the day, Nikola Jokic, despite the fact that I'm sure some people think I don't like Jokic, I think he's one of the five best players in the NBA, mm-hmm. he has the ability to be the best player in any series that he is in. Yep. So I think the answer does have to be the Denver Nuggets. That was very big of you, and I agree with your point. Now, Gonzaga beat TCU on Sunday night mm-hmm. in the final game of the round of 32. Gonzaga's defense is ranked 75th in the country in terms of efficiency. That is where the Zags are going to have their issues, despite being the most efficient offense in college basketball. Kevin, I'm not sure we'll get the insight and analysis we fully need here, but there are two interim head coaches, Mm -hmm. one that has been named the full-time head coach already, Joe Mazzula for the Boston Celtics, taking over before the season started, after Ime Udoko was then suspended and fired, and Rodney Terry, who took over midway through this college basketball season for the Texas Longhorns after Chris Beard was fired with cause by the University of Texas. Texas, a 10-1 to price to win a national championship. The sixth best, Joe Mazzulla and the Celtics, the second best price. Mm. Quickly, one-word answer. Look, I just think it's nice to see a pair of scrappy up-and-coming two seeds that'll probably fall short. I've seen, you know what I mean? There you go. But I think Texas should hire Rodney Terry. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A special first hour of this Tuesday live on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. In studio with me. It is Kevin Walsh. We have been here together, live and in person, for the entirety of this opening hour, despite the fact you did not see Kevin Walsh in that opening segment. He was sitting just to my right. So we round out this opening hour by now hearing from you in the MVP race in the National Basketball Association. Who should be the favorite? 
Who would you vote for? Is it Phillies, Joel Embiid, or Denver's Nikola Jokic? That was the question and Fade the Public. Now, Kev, I find the results of this Fade the Public poll at SportsGrid TV on Twitter rather interesting because at this point, with just about 10 games remaining in the NBA regular season, Joel Embiid is a pretty heavy odds-on favorite, minus 190. Of course, these prices can flip. They have in the last week and a half. But in terms of the public, Joel Embiid only gets about 39% of the vote for who gets your vote for NBA MVP. Nikola Jokic wins this fade the public poll pretty handily, 61%. So Kev, what do you make of what the public is telling you about the NBA's most valuable player? It is interesting. I don't know if the sports grid voting uh, folk there are Jokic fans, not Embiid fans, if they ultimately don't believe that the odds shift matters that much. And I do share some of those reservations. Again, it wasn't that long ago that we saw Jokic at minus 350. Yeah. You know, it's not as if the FanDuel Sportsbook called up a group of voters and got themselves the, the information to just flip everything on its head. Correct. So that, that that's why I do have some hesitancy there because here's the thing. A lot of the stuff that was going to lead the charge for Nikola Jokic is not, it's not like it's evaporated there. Value over replacement, box score plus minus, win shares, play, you know, PER, whatever you want to base it on. Yeah. Jokic is still first in all of those things. So if there are some, like, in-the-ground Jokic voters, that information has not changed. So then, therefore, they won't be changing their opinion. This race is, this race is not over, though Embiid being the favorite is nice to see. Thanks for being here. Hey, pal. You look what incredibly handsome, Thank by you. the wow. way. That suit jacket. That's, that's nice of you. That's the nines. That's nice A huge game on Monday between Jokic and JoJo.